0: As affiliate owners, we discovered that using performance data to program our workouts produced far superior results for our members. But it took us 20 hours a week to produce something that we were really proud of in Excel. So that's when we set out to build the technology that we thought could really change the fitness world. Welcome back to another episode of the Yoked Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Welch, CrossFit affiliate owner and founder of Yoked, where we believe success is never achieved alone. This short format interview podcast is designed for coaches and athletes that believe in the age old adage, together is better. On every episode, we discuss all things between a coach athlete relationship, from goal setting and making plans to the execution and the accountability of a program. We answer questions like how to use data to improve performance and what you should change about your life to be healthier. My hope is that you will leave these conversations with some new ideas and a greater passion for health and performance. With that in mind, I welcome you to the Yoked Podcast. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Yoked Podcast. I'm here with Coach Christian Legrand, a boxing coach. And he's been boxing for over 12 years. He's competed as an amateur. He was even schooled by a Hall of Fame trainer. He's also NASM certified as a certified personal trainer. So Christian, kind of kick us off. Tell us a little bit more about yourself other than what I just said.
1: All right. Well, um, basically, it all comes around the boxing. Uh, My whole life, I've been into sports. I've been into all things fitness and as i've got older and wiser i turned it more into all things health and wellness um but super active guy always looking for something to keep me keep me going keep me moving i don't like i can't sit behind a desk all day so i had to find not only something that i love but a job that i could do where i could work with my hands and stay active and um i had been in the gym for so long and it kind of just started out as like training some friends they started seeing results Uh, Actually, my first client ever was my grandmother, and uh, I used to write, like, stick figure routines for her. She would do them in the living room, and, like, she was getting in shape and doing 20 push-ups, all this stuff. And so just down the road, I kind of realized, like, well, this comes naturally to me. It's fun. It's easy. I like teaching people. And um, just a couple people mentioned, like, hey, you should train. And uh, that's kind of how it started with the personal training and the boxing I had been doing for so long. And it's kind of like a a sport with a lot of camaraderie. So you talk to people, you show people some things you learn, they share with you. So you kind of just over time become your own kind of coach. And then once I realized I can make it a career, that's where I am now.
0: I love it. So most of our, that's interesting about your grandma. uh, Is she still (laughs) your client today or how did that end up going?
1: Oh, no, no. She, uh. This was uh, many moons ago. She isn't as able today, but she's rather healthy, and you would never guess her age if I showed you.
0: Cool. Well, cool. Well, Christian, most of our listeners are CrossFit trainers or CrossFit gym owners, and so the extent of boxing or training and the sport of boxing that they are aware of is probably coming from the movies Rocky or Creed. How accurate (laughs) – how accurate are those movies when they show the training routines to what a boxing training session might look like?
1: Uh, that's a good question. I would say, you know, as movies normally do, they tend to dramatize most things uh, just so people can kind of all meet on the same level. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to you know coming from nothing or fighting from the sh- in the streets and ending up getting humbled in a gym and then becoming a world champion. Those things are very accurate. Uh, Boxing's uh, it's been around for such a long time. And there's, you know, as you see a lot today as well, a lot of CrossFit gyms are teaming up with boxing gyms or MMA gyms or establishing a CrossFit section. And so the, the two atmospheres are kind of crossing. And I think that's really cool because now we can kind of see on the boxer side, they've always been lacking the physical training where I, if they adopt that with the CrossFitting, it takes their game up. Yeah. And then, like I always tell CrossFitters that I've come across, boxing is just mastering your body as a whole, which can always benefit you as an athlete, especially with CrossFit. Yeah. Um. So I think those two are kind of growing together and learning more about each other. But the movies, they're they're sometimes you know the fight scenes they're a little, you know, I kind of turn the other way because I'm a big guy with technique and I see things that drive me crazy. So other than that they're pretty close
0: yeah well i'm interested in so boxing is predominantly uh i mean it's all punching but punching comes from the core right Yes. so how with your training sessions are there are you ever training i guess below the hips or is it is it predominantly like core work and everything upper body
1: that's good. Um, the way I teach it, uh, especially because of my my type of boxing, um, I'm what you would consider a counterpuncher boxer. So there's a lot of movement involved. And the movement comes from the science of the footwork. Uh, footwork is one of the most uh, overlooked things, I think, in all sports. And uh, so all the power... It's driven by the hips and the core, but it all is how you're connected to the ground. So feet positioning, when to stand there, when to bend, how to dip, roll, all those things play a huge component in core training. Um, so unless people are really trying to develop their their core on a, on a visual sense, we do all things. We train our abs on our feet, basically. We twist, we jump, we do a lot of exploding. So I try to make the core involved in almost every kind of movement, especially for the boxer, because he's always twisting, you know, uh, everything comes from the ground up. Yeah. Yeah, I love it.
0: And just out of curiosity, have you worked at all with any MMA fighters or done any MMA training?
1: Oh, absolutely. I um, about six months or so into boxing training. I met a friend at high school In high school at the time, and he was a MMA fighter. And, you know, we started joking around teasing each other and, you know, I could beat you. And he's like, well, you know, come to my gym. So I actually went over there Uh, being pretty brave, because I went to his territory, hadn't been boxing long. And uh, they threw me right into like a kickboxing day. And I ended up doing pretty well. But I was getting kicked a lot. And I was like, I never want to experience this again. So from that time, I've always dived and kind of messed around in every martial arts that I could. But boxing is my foundation and what I've competed in. Mm -hmm. But uh, I've worked with many MMA fighters, obviously, especially with their boxing. Um, because that's where every fight starts—is on on the feet with the hands.
0: Yeah. Interesting, I love it. Um, okay, let's get more into the business side of things now. So you're running your own boxing gym, and and uh, you you had mentioned before we pressed record here on this podcast that you're studying an individual's movement from the moment they walk into the door with their body language and any imbalances that that you may see in that first session can you kind of talk to us about that first hour from the moment you meet them to them sweating and working out in that first session and then that follow-up after what's that look like?
1: Uh, Definitely with, with boxing, you kind of learn um, over time that everything is about reading the person's body language. Um, You can see if someone's tired, if they're hurt, Uh, if they're strong, if their legs, you know, if their shoulders are getting heavy. Um, So doing that and then just appreciating the human body, wanting to know how it moves, how it bends. I've always been really big into watching posture, structure, studying different types of bodies. Um, And so how I can benefit my clients best because everybody is different, you know. So if we train everyone the same, uh, the results aren't going to be as great. Uh, So when I first meet someone, I'm really just kind of see how they are as a person, how they move, do they look stiff? Do, you know, do they carry themselves with their shoulders low? All these things are going to affect my approach to how I train them. Um, So that's a really big thing. And then going deeper into the boxing, once you start learning the body um, with your client, you know, how they're looking, then you can really keep uh, injury prevention high when you understand someone's body, you know, I can notice if someone's knees are too tight, if their back's hurting them. So. All those things play a big role. I'm always, I'm always watching everything that they do.
0: Interesting. Um, I like that, especially from a perspective of injury prevention. You had mentioned that you the while you don't have an objective measurement, subjectively you view their rest in between sets and sessions as an indication of how well they're recovered. Can you maybe speak a little bit more to that?
1: Yeah. So. You know, with boxing, it's predominantly cardio, but a big part of it that gets looked over is the muscular endurance needed. Um, so a lot of the style of my training is very high reps, or we do things for duration. So it's, you know, we're not focusing on reps uh, per se, but hey, you know, what kind of pace can you keep for a certain amount of time? That's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of, it's kind of good for the boxer to... Um, focus more on how they are breathing during their exercises. So when we're doing recovery stuff, I'm always watching how, if, you know, if they're breathing through their nose, as opposed to their mouth, um, is there, you know, are they bringing their shoulders up? Are they posturing up? Are they bent over? You know, some, I have a client that's uh, been with me for a while now and I'm, we were joking the other day. I'm like, I'm finding, it's finding it hard to get you tired. You know, his recovery is just through the roof. So you also have to be careful because then I could push him too hard because he's, you know, getting stronger in a sense. Um, so that's really important to me with the recovery because boxing's all about stamina. So a lot of a lot of what I do is revolved around focusing on not just the exercise, but how we recover and how we're going into the next workout.
0: You mentioned breath in that, specifically breathing through the nose instead of the mouth. And while I was at the CrossFit Games this past summer, There were a lot of breakout sessions, especially with Kelly Starrett. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Kelly Starrett, but uh, he's a big... Uh, A little bit through Instagram, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, so he's kind of the mobility guru, works obviously with a lot of the big-time CrossFit games athletes, but also, I mean, he's worked with the Golden State Warriors and some other professional teams, even Olympic athletes. And he was hounding over and over and over again about breathing through the nose instead of the mouth. Is there something you'd kind of like to give us some insight on why that would be important?
1: Absolutely. Um, First, as just the individual athlete or just, you know, anyone from a, you know, middle-aged mom taking a kickboxing class at her local gym, when people get into the habit of mouth breathing, it stays very shallow. And you don't recycle the fresh air. And so, you know, God gave us two holes in our face that we never really use. We we forget how important our nose is. And how I always teach my clients is in through the nose is fresh air. Out through the mouth is hot, dry. You know, it's it's bad. We don't want it. So if you just keep going in and out through the same hole, you're not getting a good filter. So breathing in through the nose really also makes you focus on diving deeper into the diaphragm. Whereas a lot of mouth breathing's in the chest and in the neck. It's very tense. There's a lot of tension. Uh, so you don't really get good deep breaths and the nose usually is going to make you focus on posturing up. So you're going to kind of open your chest, stand up taller to breathe through your nose. Whereas you'll see a lot of people, as soon as they get tired, you know, the hands go to the knees and their, their shoulders are up and down and they're <laughs> gasping for life. Um, so that's really important now for a boxer. One, you have to take into account of the mouthpiece. So that kind of disrupts the airway a little harder to breathe. So if you get better at breathing through your nose, you don't have to rely so much through the mouth. And also when you take a lot of body shots in boxing. So if you are a heavy breather through the mouth and you get caught with a body shot breathing through your mouth, it's it's pretty much uh, a wrap. So breathing through the nose will allow you to take in air, but also stay tight in your core so you could absorb some of that punishment.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I've, I've been wanting to do some more research on that. Can you, how do you train that? If someone's having a hard time developing the habit of uh, nasal breathing, what do you do as a trainer to coach them on that?
1: That's a good question. Uh, it's something that I had to overcome myself because I actually was born with like severe asthma. And as active as I am now, uh, up until I was about 12 years uh, twelve years old, I had a lot of trouble breathing. I had an inhaler. Uh, I couldn't do a lot of sports outside. And that really kept me from doing a lot of cardio. So I started doing cardio late. And what I noticed was my heart rate was more in tune with my breathing in through the nose, as opposed to breathing uh, with the mouth. So Something that helped me really focus on that. I have many different styles that'll help people promote nose breathing. But one of them is, is you can get a mouthpiece and kind of bite down on that, forcing your mouth to close so you can breathe through your nose. Another good one is you could take a small towel, place that around the mouth during your cardio exercises. So it just creates a little bit of an obstruction to your airflow. Um, And then always yoga. Yoga is so great because it's very, um, very rare that people are still long enough these days with all the stuff going on. So when you can disconnect and get in tune with your breathing through yoga, it'll, it'll carry over into, you know, your physical activity.
0: Good point. I've even heard crazy things to the point of the strength and conditioning coaches at big time uh, football universities, like the university of Iowa, Ohio state, even LSU that they, they talk about, if you're, if you can learn how to breathe through your nose, you will, you'll stay in REM sleep longer throughout the night. And they even, I think this coach from Iowa was talking about. He invites his players with duct tape to put tape over his mouth, <laughs> over their mouth every night they go to bed, just so they have to breathe through their nose. But. Uh, doesn't surprise me <laughs> you know it's kind of cool I, I'd like to kind of dive more into the science there
1: um, I'll tell you something funny real quick I uh when I was getting ready for one of my fights I had noticed around the time those um training masks were becoming popular but I couldn't afford one at the time um so I had got a snorkel I took the mask off I put the snorkel on and then I put a basketball headband on top of my head to keep the snorkel up. And I ran, through, I ran through the city with that thing on my head and people were honking at me at every corner. But uh, hey, you know, you got to do it what you got. But it worked.
0: Interesting. So, so um, for our listeners that don't want to look like a scuba diver on the streets <laughs> or in the gym, is, is the best thing just keep your mouth closed?
1: Yeah, you know, it gets, it's hard sometimes. That's why I say it's good to have something maybe to bite on. Uh, cause it, you know, you don't want to grind your teeth. You don't want to be clenching too hard. That's a lot of tension in your neck. Yeah. Um, so mouthpiece, mouthpiece is good. You know, the small cloth works good. Cause if you don't like it, you can just pull it right down. So little things like that, but really just being still and focusing on going to the bottom of your diaphragm and through your nose, just that right there will, will help you everywhere.
0: Well, cool. I love it. So Christian, the, the foundation or bedrock of yoked is data. How can we use data to improve performance, and you train every anyone between your grandma all the way up to these amateur even do you train any professionals
1: uh, not currently, but I have worked with several uh, professional fighters,
0: yeah, so you've seen the whole spectrum. What pieces objectively of data have you looked at or would like to look at more in the future to help an individual's performance improve?
1: That's a good question. and That's something that I'm really uh, in the stage myself of developing as a trainer because I'm always trying to see how I can add more value to my clients um, and to my business. And there's never been such great science and technology in sports. Um, and I think we're seeing it now, the athletes, I mean, it's just like the the standard has been, lifted so high. Um, And that's because of the science that's got behind it. Now, I don't have a a major in these areas, but I would eventually like to return to school to to go deeper into that science of training. But something I would say, just something uh, on the data side that's good for tracking in the beginning, just for, you know, someone just starting or your average Joe is just watching numbers like your body fat percentage. People pay too much attention to their weight And they don't realize how much it fluctuates and how sensitive it is, especially to a lot of other people. Um, So like that's a good that's a good number for a coach to use to start in the beginning. Like, hey, let's you know, let's check your body fat every so often. Um, And then as it goes further, I told you about the recovery. Um, I'll time my boxers uh, recovery time and we'll log that and watch how they recover throughout the weeks on the same exercises, Um, because that that's really good. It's really good to have data, especially data that's positive to show to your clients or to your athletes because it motivates them. It kind of, you know, every workout should be, you know, hard, but not, you know, you don't want to kill people, but they don't really see where they're making gains. So when you bring those numbers in and that data, it kind of, it kind of, you know, keeps the fire lit under them in my experience. Um, But something that I would like to go deeper into is how to study the blood and the oxygen um, flow throughout the person's body during exercise and during recovery, because that's been something huge, especially on the uh, extreme athlete side is, uh, being able to monitor the oxygen production in the blood flow. So that's something I would definitely like to get more knowledge in.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm starting to hear more and more, um, of coaches using that kind of stuff, using blood tests and using data from like uh I'm not sure if you're familiar with Whoop the wristband you wear on your wrist and it measures how yes. well you recovered um and even simple things like Fitbits or Apple Watches and things like that
1: yes um being in this profession and uh working in gyms where there's multiple trainers multiple clients multiple needs um you kind of you kind of get as, as there's more trainers and more coaches, there becomes more different styles, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And, you know, well, they do it this way, but I, you know, every trainer kind of has his his the way he learned it. It could be from the person that taught it to him or they learned it, you know, through school, but then they tweaked it worked for them. And uh, what's kind of interesting is because we're also very different um you know you grab 10 people to do just a simple push up and probably all 10 people's push ups will look different yeah. so when we touched earlier about how i study people's body language that's that's a big key into form because if i can kind of understand why you move that way then i'll be able to coach you better or give you better you know cues during a movement or exercise um because with boxing it's it's kind of Pretty interesting and where everyone learns the same technique. But if you, again, if you watch 10 boxers fight, they all throw the same punches differently. Uh, so then that's where, com- that's where a good eye and a coach or a trainer uh, comes into handy because you could have a whole class of people or just two clients and they could be north and south of each other. But you still got to give them good form for their body type because what works for this guy, maybe this guy, you know, he doesn't have the mobility in his knees, so he can't move that way. So how can I how can I help him succeed without hurting him? And uh, so when I train people, um, I think my clients really value that I'm very uh, personal with them from the time our session starts till they leave. I'm engaged, I'm talking to them, I'm watching them, uh, and I'm just studying them continually.
0: Just kind of wrapping up, it looks like that you – from your background in boxing, the thing you have seen most overlooked over time is form. Can you speak a little bit more to that?
1: Yeah, I've, I've, they uh, they seem to like me more than just the training, which is funny because, you know, most people hate their trainers. Uh, <laughs> and they, they dread seeing them, you know, in that face when they walk in the door because they know what's coming. Um, but yeah, you know, I had, I had fought last year, uh, 2019 in August, and I probably had 90%, 80, 90% of my clients actually come out and support me and watch me fight.
0: Um, I like that. Cause you said before, um, the podcast here that you even go out on the weekends with a lot of your clients. Is that right?
1: Right. Yeah. And I really try to teach and promote lifestyle above everything. And it kind of is what separates me. I know a lot of people talk about it but uh, on social media, I'm pretty transparent. I show everything that I eat, even if it was something that I shouldn't. Um, And I, and I really approach uh, something boxing has done for me is taught me lifestyle because a boxer, you're not just a boxer during season or for games, you know, you got to take it home with you. You got the cuts and the bruises. You're always thinking about how you can get better. So it's not really a mindset you turn off and that becomes a, a lot of Athletes develop that lifestyle. So that's what I try to teach to my clients because they may not be hardcore into training or into a sport, but if they real they understand the lifestyle, they'll have gains, uh, forever, you know, unless they stop.
0: Well, it's also cool. You got to be with them over the weekends because that's kind of where the old sloppy habits come back oh, man. and you can kind of see, all right, they're really buying into what I'm trying to coach them here or right. they're not buying in yet. Well, my final question is kind of jumping back to the middle part of our conversation and helping your client. You mentioned clients want to see the data on their improvement. And so with CrossFit, it's kind of easy because we can repeat some benchmark tests, whether it's running a mile or how heavy can you back squat today versus three months from now or six months from now. In boxing, um, you mentioned – You can measure the time of their recovery on the same exercises. But are there other similar benchmark tests that you use in your training with your clients?
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's a few. Um, I'll start with the basic ones. One can be as simple of push-ups. Uh, just a boxer gets real familiar with push-ups cause you use, you know, majority is all body weight. So we don't do too much heavy weight training uh-huh. and not that I'm against it, but you just have to be very smart in that approach. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just, all right, you know, last time you did 25 push-ups, then at 26 started getting slow and sticky. And then a month later, you know, the guy burns all the way out to 40. So that's, that's a good way to look at it. It's just an easy endurance test. And, um, uh, and then going A little bit more intricate is like me watching someone spar, Um, you know, so maybe we had a weekend sparring and my guy he was getting hit a lot with the jab, you know, so a month later we've been working on it working on what it what we need to do and then he spars again and the guy couldn't even touch him with the jab. You know, so and then talking about it also, I always after all the training sessions with my boxers, I always talk to them, you know, how do you feel you did? What do you think we could work on more? And then we just go right back to the lab on the next session. And then we'll see if it works next time we go to implement it, because uh, with with boxers, you kind of get like this, this false sense of security when you're hitting pads and you're hitting the bag and you're running and you don't really have opposition in front of you. Uh, so really the best test, if you really want to see if your training has, uh, you know, if you made a benchmark is to um, spar, you know, if you're if you're talking about on the sport and athlete side. Yeah. Um, but if someone's just trying to exercise, you know, maybe, hey, can you throw punches for a minute straight nonstop? All right. You know, you did that good. Now let's try two minutes. So, you know, a lot of different ways to to check benchmark. how far they've come with endurance.
0: I love it. Well, thank you, Christian. I think you gave some valuable insight to our listeners not only into the sport of boxing, but also maybe some creative ways on how they can switch up their benchmark testing, how they talk one-on-one with their clients, maybe how they um, – their relationship with their clients, hanging out maybe with them outside of the gym. yeah. And then additionally, making sure we don't forget about the recovery of our athletes, whether that's us looking at it, looking at them and talking to them, or using some kind of objective measurement like – a uh, heart rate monitor of sorts whether it be on your wrist or your chest in order to prevent injury um thanks christian i really appreciate you joining us here on the yoke podcast where can our listeners find you if they have any questions
1: all right so i'm currently working on a few different outlets Um, i'm gonna be trying to get all my uh, value out on an app so people can work out with me across the planet. So that's coming soon. But, uh, for now I'm on social media on Instagram, it's J E underscore underscore athletics. And, uh, like I told you on there, it's just pretty transparent. It's my lifestyle, everything I do from skateboarding to training clients and boxing and what I eat. Um, so there, you know, you can kind of pick up on that. And I also promote my business on there so you can kind of see what my clients do. Um, And, you know, I share a lot of content for free. So I'm not a person, you know, that's trying to charge you, you know, swipe up here so I could tell you how to do a, you know, 30 day ab challenge. Uh, So I give I do a lot of stuff for free. I love answering questions.